0: Hello, and welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 31.
1: We have so much pressure on ourselves as moms to be these perfect moms, and we can't be. It's just not possible. And you didn't do this to your child, and your child has way more gifts than they have anything hindering them in this world. And so I really, when I've had a hard, hard day with my kids, and I'm laying in bed and most parents do this after they fall asleep you kind of peek back and you're like oh i love them so much but whoa dinner was crazy tonight i always like to think of like the beautiful times and oh my gosh she was so funny when she said this or so creative and and she's so creative i think that probably is the adhd side of her that brain is just like boom 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 so it's okay
0: hello and welcome to the adhd love parent talk podcast If you felt like you had been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey, everyone, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. Today, I'm so excited to have my guest, Ashley. We are actually going to dig into sensory disorder, sensory processing disorder. That's a topic that comes up quite a bit in the ADHD community. So I'm very excited to talk with her about this and get some tips and tricks on how to work through those situations.
1: All right. So Ashley, welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. Yay thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and share what I know as a mom like the mom' side of life of this
0: exactly yeah. exactly so tell the audience a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background
1: Yeah so I'm a mama to seven and a half year old twins, boy girl twins and when they were three and a half almost four years old, I just noticed something that was off on my son. I don't really ever want to compare them but it's easy to do when you're raising two that should generally go along with the same development, right. and there just seemed to be something a little bit off with him, and it got really hard to parent him, physical, um, lots of tears in that moment in those years in our lives, he was throwing things, he had to have his door removed, all this just over emotional everything, so my mom was like, I'm on a mission, I'm going to figure out what's going on, I, this isn't life, I'm not going to do this for the next 18 years, and so I just started researching and digging into things. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to make what I learn public. I don't need to keep it to myself. And I'm sure I'm not the only mom out there in tears sitting on the other side of a door, but somebody else, you know, kicking and screaming. And so I started a podcast parenting that kid mm. and I started a blog and I interview and I reach out to people who are professionals or parents walking the same path. We can learn a lot from just parents alone And so I interview them or ask them to give me a guest blog and just get the information out there as many tools and as much support as I can throw out there. I want to do because I, it feels really lonely when you're living with that. And so through my journey, I learned about sensory processing. ADHD has always been in my mind. Mm -hmm. I know kids when I was growing up, that were ADHD. I am almost a hundred percent positive. It's genetic in my family. When (laughs) I just think of my mom, and like my (laughs) grandfather and she admits that. And then my daughter, um, was diagnosed with ADHD almost a year ago, I would say. And, um, when I knew we were going into first grade and like having to sit at a desk, I was just terrified because I knew who she was like, that's Mm -hmm. never going to happen. And so I, um, went and had her diagnosed kind of a back traditional, non-traditional way. And she also has sensory processing. I learned this as I was learning about my son. So these two just kind of are constantly a juggle in our life constantly. Yeah. So that's where we are today with all of that.
0: Wow. Very exciting. So for the, so first of all, you also have a, you have a nursing background.
1: Is that correct? I do. So I, yeah, that's correct. So I am a nurse. I'm a school nurse during the week and then I'm a women's service nurse. So that's postpartum and NICU on the weekends. Okay. So yeah, I think that's probably why I dig into research because it's just innate in me to go, well, I have to know the underlying, I can kind of put a bandaid on something, but I really need to know why this is happening.
0: Exactly. And then, so you said just your daughter was diagnosed. So your son wasn't diagnosed, but he still, they both had the sensory processing disorder. Is that correct?
1: You know, yes, that's true. And I actually will be honest. I haven't ever had him diagnosed because COVID. <laughs> like, Our lives got so heavy as the rest of the world did. And I thought, well, I'm learning with her. I'm going right. to use what I'm learning with her on him. And should things start to go off this course where he needs more extra attention on that then I will, Okay. But for him, the sensory, what's his bigger focus? For her, it's, they really do run so parallel with each other. Sometimes it's almost hard to tell what's happening here. And then we aren't really in full-time school yet, so it's not so much affecting the academic side of life right now for him. Okay. Well, um, nice. Come next year, we'll, yeah.
0: Well, so that's actually my first question for you. So there are parents mm-hmm. who are just even trying to decide if they should get their child diagnosed right. or not. I mean, some of it is just Absolutely. due to having labels and some of it is just due to not really knowing if it's necessary. So what do you say to parents right. who are just trying to make that decision?
1: Yeah, I think that was a really hard one for my husband and myself. It was not for me. I was like, well, of course we'll go get them checked out. And if they have a diagnosis, great. Yeah, I feel like it was important for my daughter because I didn't want her to struggle. And I knew she was going to, and I don't, for me, I don't see it as anything other than an extra couple of letters tacked onto who you are in this world. I thought if she's going to need an IEP or a 504 later in life, I need that now in her first grade experience. And I personally needed that as a, I have dyslexia and I needed that when I went into public school and then into college. And I didn't want her to have to struggle with that later on in her academic life. So that was a quick, simple thing for me for her and harder for my husband um, to, to go, okay, really? We want to label, but we're not labeling. We, we get that's not who she is as the soul, but that's, I think a lot of things that parents have to weigh, like what's the future? What can you handle now? And for my son, um, his anxiety and sensory processing is enough that we've got to work on those before I can go, okay, now let's go do this. Yeah. Um, So yeah, you know, each child, you just have to kind of figure out where they are in life and then look at their future and go, is this going to benefit them or just kind of put it on hold. And so that's why we chose my daughter for that and the other for my son right now. And so my
0: question to you is, so how did you feel once she got that diagnosis? I mean, what was your first reaction to that?
1: Oh, I felt so validated because I just in my gut knew that this was more than sensory processing. I, I just knew this because I had learned and I had been to so much on the, that side of this uh, of her care, but I felt validated when the, um, we actually had her diagnosed through a nutritional very deep, deep lab work that was done on her, just genetic and all this stuff. And so when she was like, oh, ADHD, I was like, thank you. Can I hug you? No, I can't because it's Zoom, but I would. And she said, you know, you're already starting on this right path. And I thought, oh, good, because that was a lot of energy for us to try to figure out what to do it just, it was a weight. Like I'm not the only one and there are answers and there are tools and I can use all of that. And she can benefit from that. And then, in the end, that's what you want. You want your kids to feel like they're having success in life and it's not hard. They can just do life. And that's, yeah. so I was just, yeah, I was so happy. I called my mom right away. I was like, she's <laughs> like, <"Yes." laughs> you <were> like <laughs> <laughs> yes. and you said funny. it, which she knows. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So you know, it's really interesting, and it's really interesting when people also know that they have it, right? I remember Mm -hmm. going into the doctor's office, and we were just going for a checkup, and he had already been diagnosed at this time, but he was just, you know, doing his normal thing. And the doctor looked at me, and he says, "He has ADHD, doesn't he?" And I'm like, "Yes, (laughs) he does." Like all over. But what's interesting is, I mean, obviously, there's so many people and so many children that are missed because my son had the outwardly signs but my daughter Mm. did not. Right. And I did not. So with me being recently diagnosed at 45 years old, I didn't have that. I did well in school and a lot of struggles that parents have today. So if a parent really believes that, yes, I really need to get some assistance for my child. I get she's Mm -hmm. having good grades, but there's some other things that we can work on and they want to get that diagnosis. What do you suggest to them?
1: Yeah. So I'm a huge proponent in documenting, and maybe this is the nurse in me, but, If you've seen something, you need to put that down in writing. One, our mom brains are just like minuscule, right? After we have a baby, it's like, so you might forget it, but document it. There's, you know, proof and time and time again, that little things are happening and they all start to add up. And I think if you can show up with that information, Mm -hmm. you will actually have more information coming back to you than you know what to do. Whether it's your primary care physician or, you know, we went the naturopathic way or it's the teacher at school or it's the, whoever your first point of contact is. I think if you've got this proof in your hands, people are more opt to go, okay, well, let's look into it. Let's okay. see. Let's talk about it. And I also feel like people need to start doing research on, as you said, that the you might look like everything's fine, but learn about the other. Learn about it because there's, so, there's the obvious ADHD, like you just said, but there's so many other little things. And I think if you're wondering and questioning, you should research that. I mean, you have the right as a parent to know and then fight for that. Fight mm-hmm. for that. We had a beautiful pediatrician who said, yeah, do you want occupational therapy? Sure. Go ahead. Like no problema." because I just went in. I was like, by the way, I know who we're going to go seeing. I know what she needs. And just now tell me, give me that piece of paper. So my insurance will cover it basically. <laughs> so, you know, I think if you just show up and fight and that can be really hard as a parent, but it's your right as a parent, you're setting your kid up with so much more in this future. I love that. I love that. So let's dig into sensory
0: processing disorder. Yeah. Can you define for the audience what sensory processing disorder is?
1: Yeah. So I can do that for layman's term because I am not an occupational therapist and they are lovely people. Everybody (laughs) should have one at the front because they're going to give me so many tips. But I like to tell people that it's kind of like a train wreck coming at your body. Hmm. So it is so much information coming to your body that it just jumbles up and your body doesn't know what to do with it. It can be the opposite, too. It can be a trainer coming out of your body, and it's just whatever that might be. Your body has these normal senses that we all think about. Touch, taste, smell, sight, hearing, right? Those are the generic ones that we all go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also has three other ones that we really don't pay a lot of attention to if you're not looped into this type of world. There's vestibular, which is those little um, spirals in your ear Mm -hmm. so that your head knows where you are in space. So it's kind of like this balancing, or if you were going to go take a step down, your body would go Whoop, and knows how to do that appropriately. And there's the interoceptive where you're going, what are my internal organs saying to me? So I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Or for my daughter, it was like potty training was just nonstop. This is going on forever, and just because she had not learned how to, what's her body sense saying? Whoa, go to the bathroom. And then there's proprioceptive, which is like your muscles and your big joints and your big bones kind of like the movement of those in space where they are in your surrounding areas. So when you have an ADHD child who also has sensory processing, this is the classic example that I tell people at my house, dinner time, is just a hot mess. So she's constantly moving, right? The ADHD in her is like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to come over here. And I'm just going, "Ah, ah." but now she doesn't know where she, right. You kind of get dizzy watching it, but now she doesn't know where she is in space. So she's going to get up to go for her water or get up, go to give her water afterwards, but her hand doesn't know where to go. Boom, boom. Water spills everywhere. That's just a cl- one simple example of the constant movement that ADHD just, you know, and her ability to be everywhere and need to be in every conversation. But then again, the vestibular of her is like, whoa, where do I go? And so, you know, water goes all over the place. Or as I mentioned, potty training can be really challenging because they just don't connect. That's what that means. Oh, I need to stop and go to the bathroom now. Right. So that's, that's where the two challenges start to come hand in hand. You go, huh, which would should I focus on right here right now? Wow. So how do you actually, well, the
0: first question is, is where does it stem from? I mean, obviously this is something that is part of them. Do we know, do we have an understanding of where it stems from?
1: Yeah, I, I wish I could give you more medical stuff on that. And I really haven't done a lot of the like detailed oriented, but I do know that there is that brain balance and stuff, imbalancing. Mm. So, very much similar to ADHD, I think the brain is just so, it is, it's your everything of your body, right? Okay. So, that's where it's coming from. I have wondered if it's more, there's more genetic tones to it. And so, I'm doing a lot more research on that. I do think they're seeing a trait genetically in that, but um, sensory processing is only recent in time, you know, period of the world's history. Mm-hmm. So there's still so much more that needs to come out on that end before yeah. anybody can say this, this, and this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. makes perfect sense. So how, does pe- how do people manage it? So once they realize that they have <laughs> it, how do you manage it?
1: <laughs> well, first you breathe, because it can be a lot coming at you at one time. <laughs> yes. And then there's so many fun games. I think my kids just think they're playing games. They don't really know. So they went to occupational therapy. And they played a whole bunch of games. For my son, the biggest thing that we do is a lot of joint compressions or large movements that will naturally compress the joints. So he pushes things. And this was mm-hmm. one of his first things as a child. I, when I learned about, about sensory processing, I thought, oh, this is my kid. He moved all the furniture in his room all the time all the time he would just like shove his dresser and push his bed and i'd be like i don't know what's going how do i get into your room nice. and he still rearranges but now he gets the concept that well maybe that's not practical we need to have at least one exit point out of your room <laughs> so the constant joints needing to be in action so i get him up and i start to say jump 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 or he climbs a tree or even just something like chewing like chewing gum because that gets that jaw going and that will help center the body or balance it back out which can last a couple of hours you know if you're Doing all this movement, it'll center that body so you can sit down for the next 45 minutes of a class. So, I always like to get mine up and running before school so that their body's ready to go for class. We play a lot of games, so maybe wheelbarrow games where you pick up their feet and they walk on their hands. We do a lot of breathing exercises so that my daughter can start to focus on her internal feelings. So, we're outside blowing bubbles, and I'm like, hey, can you feel your tummy when you're blowing that bubble? Just games. There's so many games, and people can look up all different fun games. It's exercise, but they don't think it's exercise. And I think that's how you're going to actually get the most out of this is if you actually make it fun or no kid is going to want to sit down and do therapy. <laughs> yeah, you
0: know, that's really interesting. So the school that they attend, they actually have, or well, mm-hmm. my son now, because my, my daughter's in the, um, the bigger school, but mm-hmm. they have a sensory room and they yeah. have, you know, different things set up for that exact reason. So mm-hmm. he takes a break mm-hmm. in the afternoon, three days a week. And he goes to the sensory room. He chooses it about three things Mm -hmm. that he's going to do. And then he does those different things. Yeah. Things that you said. And it's so funny because I would be, you know, talking to other people and I'm like, and they also allow him to chew gum. I have no idea why the gum thing works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's that, it's that jaw. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. And so that's one reason why my daughter is an eater. Thank goodness she has her daddy's build and so she'll never gain weight, but she loves to eat. And I think it's that constant chewing all the time for her. And she just gets that release that her body needs to kind of come back down. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? See, I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now you're going to buy some gum.
0: (laughs) No, exactly. Okay. So one of the things that you talked about is having ADHD and having having a sensory processing disorder. So mm-hmm. when they mm-hmm. have multiple diagnoses like that, or you talked about your other child dealing with anxiety and sensory processing disorder,
1: mm-hmm. how do you manage multiple diagnoses? <laughs> That's a good one. I think it's, it's this holistic view of everything we do in our house. Every decision I make is based off of something that will benefit them for the whole body. So diet is huge. We do that a lot. And I'm sure for ADHD, you probably learned this, like just simple things like giving her her omega pills every morning or whatever vitamins you want to call them. Right. So she was on that. She was inflamed. Her body was actually inflamed. So we had to go through this detox inflammatory process so that she could absorb these vitamins. So those nutrition is huge. And I focus a lot on that for her ADHD. I just know that if we go Crazy off of her diet, then forget it. Poor little thing can't concentrate, and it was all on me as her mother saying, "Okay, you can have dot 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 all the time." So really, that is how I try to help with the ADHD side because the other actually go hand in hand quite well. When she's in school, she needs to be moving because of her ADHD, but she also needs to be moving because she needs she needs, requires that input for her sensory. Mm-hmm. So I find tools like we have a busy band under her little under her chair. And we have this for my son as well, that they can bounce their feet. So it's getting that movement. It's also getting that compression into her body. She's got fidget toys galore. To oh my mm-hmm. goodness, those things just fall out of her backpack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes she'll just hand me something new, and that's that's helping her. Crazy to me that my mind thinks this way, and that how would you ever be able to focus? But she actually focuses when she's just picking up something like this. So mm-hmm. she's getting that sensory input. She's getting that movement that she needs from that her body's just craving for the. That's her biggest thing with ADHD, constantly moving. And then how she focuses. It's not every time. We're not perfect at it. There are plenty of days where she just slides under the desk and I'm trying to pull her body back up to class. I um, and then the other thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other would be sensory breaks. And I think people don't even really understand what that means. But if you and I were talking for an hour or we were typing for an hour, we actually are going to stop ourselves to go have a glass of water. We're going to get up to go to the bathroom. We're going to Something. Children are being asked to focus, 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 and they need a sensory break. They need to stop that sensation, and now they need to go into something else, and what are the, usually it's a movement, a jumping, whatever, running a circle, or, or roll around on a ball or something, but that helps with ADHD. She gets that craving that she's trying so hard to hold in, and she gets her sensory input, which then helps regulate for the next whatever. For minutes of class or whatever she's asked to do. So they, uh, when I deal with her on one thing, I'm usually like, oh, this is going to benefit this, or do I need to alter this a little so that it all works together?
0: I love that. I love that. So if a parent just found out that their child has this sensory processing disorder and mm-hmm. they have the ADHD, what are just those first steps? I mean, you talked about some tools that they can use, but sometimes people yeah. just don't even know where to start. right?
1: Absolutely. So I would say your very first step is to contact your pediatrician because they can get you into uh, occupational therapy. It's huge. And you don't have to stick with this for years on end. I don't feel like we signed up and we're like, hey, we're on this for 18 years. But I think you get the support you need and they understand your child. And you probably know this just as well as I do. You need people who understand your child. You can't just be like, We're gonna do this, and then that person's looking you like, why would you do that? You know, when I tell people my children went to occupational therapy for years, they're everybody's first response is why they're fine. Why do they need therapy? Like, sure, their outer shell looks great, but inside things are going all over the place. Oh yeah. And so I say you need to go to your pediatrician and ask for occupational therapy. That is a great place to start for sensory processing disorder. And again, much of this does relate and help with ADHD. For us, we chose to start with her diet for ADHD because I had already seen in our history with her when we started to do things with foods and change things, her reactions were not okay. And this relates to my son as well. Things were not going so well. So for myself, I chose let's focus on that side for the ADHD and we'll get the physical hands-on tools from occupational therapy. And then together we could work with both of those. So I always encourage people to start with them because they're the occupational therapists that spent years studying this and their master's at this and they will support you at home too. I mean, the plans will, the way that you can help structure your house and, you know, then you have this present to your school and they can help structure your child's school day. It's really just such a support for you.
0: Okay. Perfect. So is there anything that they should do at school? So you talk about <clears throat> occupational therapy um, just in general, mm-hmm. but is there any questions they should be asking, especially not every school like mine has a sensory you know, rude. Right. So what type yeah, of they should
1: have at the school? I get a lot of questions from moms saying they're so frustrated from their teacher not understanding their child, right? That's such a big one. Like, he's not a bad kid and they're not, they're really not. They just don't have any control over their little bodies right now. So I think the first question is, what was this child doing when XYZ is started? Or is this a pattern every morning at the same time? Or is this, I get them into documenting things. I think you should look at, gosh, well, we ate this food every single day. And boy, that was a really crazy week. And then you can look back and go, oh, and I sent them off to school like that. Ah, So look at the patterns. You're going to find answers hiding in your patterns. And then have an honest conversation with your child, teacher, whoever your support system is at school. My children go to a very non-traditional school. So we don't have IEP and 504 as of right now but we do have a counselor and we do have um, a whole setup for that. So I just called them. I just, well, I emailed and I said, we need to have a conversation and then explained this is what's happening at home. She thinks she's an awful child. She thinks she's dumb and she's stupid and she can't do this. And, and they said, well, we'll just watch her. And they did. They watched her when she finally came on campus and said, she's not any of those things that she's saying. And we're, you know, we've kind of got this, we're going to kind of watch for a little while. And, when we get back to real life after COVID, it might feel a little bit different. and So I encourage you to reach out to whoever the people are at school that does your child's special educational needs. They might not have the tools in the school, but they should have resources they can give you outside of the school for your local community. Um, and then the other would be to speak to the teacher and say, you know, when we're at home and I have to do homework with him or her, I notice that if we get up every 30 minutes and I change things around or I face towards the window, or I ask him to be the helper to go get this, it helps bring him back in. Mm-hmm. Give those tips to the teachers, right? If you've got little tips hiding at home, give those to the teachers, just like you would want them to give them to you. Yeah. So I think that also comes from just observing your child. And that's what I did with that one meeting. I said, well, these are what we're doing. Try, try them at school, who knows?
0: Yeah, I think that's really important because when I started this journey, I did the same exact thing. They would ask, okay, what do you do at home And so Mm -hmm. I would put a list together. I would just kind of pay attention to what we did and what worked. And then I took that list to school Mm -hmm. and we were able to implement some of those things. So yeah, you're right. That is so important.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's where moms come into really good play. Like, you have tips and you're like, oh, this worked for my kid and for somebody else is going to try it. That's why I love learning from moms because I mean, doctors are amazing and I'm a big bat, like go to them, please learn from them. But you can learn a lot from your next door neighbor who's probably living a very similar life. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so just to close it up, is there
0: any last minute thoughts that you have for the parents, whether it be around ADHD itself, around the combination of ADHD and sensory processing, yeah. disorder or anything?
1: I think it's okay to be okay with this. I get people going, I don't want my kid to be diagnosed or I don't want my kid. It's okay. Your kid's going to be who your kid is going to be and they're going to be fine. We have so much pressure on ourselves as moms to be these perfect moms and we can't be, it's just not possible. And you didn't do this to your child and your child has way more gifts than they have anything hindering them in this world. And so I... Really, when I've had a hard, hard day with my kids and I'm laying in bed and most parents do this after they fall asleep, you kind of peek back and you're like, oh, I love them so much. But whoa, dinner was crazy tonight. I always like to think of like the beautiful times and oh my gosh, she was so funny when she said this or so creative and and she's so creative. I think that probably is the ADHD side of her. That brain is just like boom, 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 boom. So it's okay. You know, and it, it is hard and it's scary when you really don't have the support. And you don't know where to go but i encourage you to be your advocate for your child because you you are and you're going to learn so much about your kid as you start to do this which will actually be kind of fun you'll find moments that are like oh that's so cool
0: i love that
1: so any type of resources that you may recommend be it books youtube channels podcasts? yeah so i love it's called lemon lime you know i've looked it up so many times lemon lime is an occupational therapist website they just have a ton of resources there. I always just kind of dive in there when I need things. Um, and then I like the ADHD attitude magazine. Have you mm, followed yeah. that? Yeah. So I think that is uh, their blogs just hit me. I, I'm always sending them for my poor parents and my husband like, yeah, I'll send it. like check this out." or my friend, like, I think your kid don't think it's an insult, but I think your kid. Oh, that is so fun. Um, And, you know, everybody knows I'm bluntly open about my kids and the experiences that we're having with them. And so they just take it as like, okay, cool. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So those are my two that I go to a lot. And then I think other resources, I mean, I'd love myself to be a resource. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. Just, you know, dive into whatever I learn. I want to share at my my website, parentingthatkid.com. It's also a podcast, Parenting That Kid, where I interview professional professionals, occupational therapists and life coaches, family coaches, teachers about I, IEP, all that. So I would just encourage yourself to research and then to take what you need and leave the rest. Because I think we can get overwhelmed really fast and it doesn't all fit every single person, right? What works for my daughter doesn't always work for my son. So take what you need and then leave the rest and be okay with that. And that, and it is okay.
0: Love it, love it. So you shared your podcast and your website If they have any other questions, is there any other way to get a hold of you, like your Instagram handle?
1: Yeah. So my Instagram is my name, Ashley Tolliver. I'm not, I uh, (laughs) I don't have a business or whatever, because this is just my life that I'm living here. (laughs) And then Facebook, you can find me as Ashley. I might, yeah, Ashley Tolliver. But I actually have Parenting That Kid as a Facebook page as well. And then, yeah, my email is just Ashley at kid. Yeah. So I'm on there. And I'm just me, myself, and I figuring it out, sharing what I got, and I'm just real about it.
0: <laughs> awesome, Ashley. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you so much for coming. That was
0: wonderful. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited absolutely. for putting this out. That was great information.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I absolutely love everything that you share. And it's, um, again, take all the information, use what you need, and then, you know, leave it behind. I think it's so good what you're doing out there. Thank you. All right, everyone. So that concludes another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk
0: everyone. Have a wonderful day. Bye, Ashley. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.